the big question really this morning is not is the audio working the big question this morning is do you still have your christmas decorations up or have they gone down by now have you taken them down i know people have had them up since about october it seems and so they've been up a long time have you taken yours down yet listen did you know this a thousand people every year injure themselves or end up in accident and emergency because of taking down or putting up their Christmas decorations and their Christmas tree. So the things you need to look out for are, remember these things. You need to be careful, obviously, when you're up a ladder, perhaps, put, taking down your lights. You need to be very careful taking off your baubles. You know, one of them you might think is a chocolate decoration that's been left there, and it won't be. It'll be very difficult to eat. Um, you need to be careful when you're putting it up in the attic, you know, shoving it up through the gap in the ceiling, getting up there. You need to be really careful. Uh, and you need to be careful if you've got a real Christmas tree because water and the electrics from your um, electric lights do not mix. Hey, I'm just looking out for you in all this. So, you know, these are the things we need to know. Um, hey, one thing that hasn't changed, one thing that we're still doing is that we're still in the book of Esther. So if you've got... Um, your Bibles, you can turn to Esther chapter 7. We are still working through this magnificent book from the Old Testament, um, written uh, and, and set probably about uh, 500 BC. And just a quick recap for you, um, the Persian Empire is in control of the region that we're reading about. And that, that, that includes Israel, includes the people of God. And many Jews had been moved from that, that nation into Susa, into the capital of the Persian Empire. And uh, Mordecai and uh, Mordecai is one of these people that's been moved, exiled into uh, Susa. And he has his um, cousin, who is really his adopted daughter, um, Esther, with him. And Esther, by, by a, a series of events, has become queen. Um, but... Uh, she's had to keep her identity secret, of her real identity of being one of God's people. Um, but it's not like uh, she's become queen in this kind of equal marriage thing with, with the king, King Xerxes. No, no, this is really dysfunctional here. You know, there's probably, possibly other potential queens, other women certainly involved. This isn't a marriage of two equals as we might think of it. And we also have Haman. Haman is the king's advisor. Haman is, Haman hates the Jewish people. He wants to destroy them. He hates Mordecai um, and because he's a Jew and because he won't bow down to him. Um, he has convinced the king to kill all the Jews in the empire. And he's even set up gallows or set up a thing, a place where he can kill Mordecai and have him put to death. Uh, uh, but Mordecai and Esther have, have, have worked out a plan. They, they think they've got a plan to be able to save the Jews. It's risky. It'll involve some risk. As we found out from last week, as Chris spoke to us, and I thought, really excellently, Chris opened up that passage for us. Um, this is not a plan of their making. Actually, God's in charge. God's in control. Even when everyone's sleeping, God is still at work. And God is in charge. And so they are going to host a banquet where Esther plans to expose Haman uh, and um, bring him out to the king. And, and we're about to see Haman's downfall. So let's read this passage for us today. Esther chapter 7. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king asked again, Queen Esther, what is your petition? 
it will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition and spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed and killed and annihilated. If we'd merely been sold as female and male slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would have justified disturbing the king. King Xerxes answered, uh, asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, An adversary and enemy, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realising that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banqueting hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while he, she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. So this morning we are looking at God's judgment of evil. It's a nice subject for the new year, isn't it? You might be thinking, what a pleasant way to start off the new year. Well, yes, it is. This is a message of hope. I believe this morning we have a message of hope, a message of anticipation, a message of real thankfulness to look at. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this event that we've just read? Well, I think there are at least three responses that we're to have. Here are three responses that I think we're meant to have. Firstly, we're meant to rejoice. How do you feel about Haman? How do you feel? Do you feel sympathy? Do you feel pity? You know, if we analysed it too much, we could kind of say, well, perhaps he was just a misunderstood guy. You know, um, it, it seems to be in Hollywood at the moment. There seems to be this whole kind of... Um, genre of films where actually um, traditionally bad characters are, are kind of just uh, analysed a bit deeper and looked in a bit further and said perhaps there were perhaps there were social reasons why they turned out that way. Perhaps there were traumatic experiences in their life. So films like Maleficent, um, the evil queen looking at, you know, what, what made her like that? Why is she like that? Or maybe even the Joker movie that came out um, a couple of years ago. This is not a necessarily bad thing, of course, but that's not what we're meant to do here with Haman. No, no, no. We're meant to rejoice. It's very clear the author of Esther wants us to rejoice at Haman's downfall. Not in some kind of uh, morbid, bloodthirsty type way, but really to rejoice that evil has been halted. That evil is seen for what it is. See, the Bible isn't just about engaging our brains, you see. Often the Bible wants us to feel. It wants us to feel something. I'm not saying just read the Bible and, and check what your feelings are. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying sometimes the Bible wants us to, to feel, to engage our whole person. How do you feel 
when you read about Haman? How do you feel? When it, does it, does it, you know, there's a sense that it, it feels right. You know, his downfall feels right. It feels, it feels fitting for his behavior. It, it feels like, you know, evil has been seen for what it is. And that's right. Do we rejoice? Do we rejoice in God's justice? Do we rejoice that evil has been put to right? See, this event is a picture of God's judgment. The Bible tells us there's a day when all world history, as we understand it, will be wrapped up. A day when evil will be exposed and a day when God will judge it for what it is. You know, prejudice, racism, abuse, envy, hate. One day, God will deal with that once and forever. See, evil is that which is opposed to God's will. And a God who will not ultimately punish evil and judge evil is a God who is not ultimately good. In fact, he can't be a God of love. People will say the opposite. You may hear people say the opposite, in fact. They'll say, you know, I believe in a God of love. I don't believe in a God of, um, of judgment um, or of anger or of wrath. No, no, I believe in a God of love. Well, actually, all loving people sometimes display anger and can be people of wrath or people of anger. This is what the writer Rebecca Pippert says about it. She says this, which is helpful. Think how we feel when we see someone we love ravaged by unwise actions or relationships. Do we respond with benign tolerance as we might towards strangers? Far from it. And then she says, anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. God's wrath is not a cranky explosion, but his settled opposition to the cancer which is eating the insides of the human race. The human race he loves with his whole being. See what she's saying? She's saying, you know, anger and wrath and love are not these kind of mutually opposite things that, that you can't have together. No, 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 no. In, in, in God, we see the love of God, but we also see anger and wrath at evil. Which brings me to my second, our second response this morning to this passage. We're meant to look inside ourselves and we're meant to consider our lives. See, we want justice done, but we don't necessarily want justice for our actions or for our thoughts or for things we've done. Let me use a silly example. You know, sometimes I will walk. Uh, sometimes I will cycle and sometimes I'll drive. I do all those three things. And when I drive, I can point out all the mistakes of cyclists and walkers. I can. I can do it from my car seat, point them all out. When I cycle, I get really annoyed by the mistakes of drivers and the things they do when they don't put their indicators on or they brake too quickly in front of me or I, I can judge what walkers walking out in front of me when I'm on my bike. And when I'm walking, do you know what? I judge all the wrongs of the drivers and the cyclists that go past me. Well, what does it tell us? What does it tell us about me? It, tells it, it says that I find it easier to judge the wrongs in others than in myself. 
See, evil isn't something that's just floating in the air. And we see that from this passage. You know, where is evil? Evil is in the actions of this man, of this person. It's in the heart of this guy, Haman. And the message of the Bible is that every human heart has a problem with evil, has a problem with sin. You know, without God stepping in, we are opposed to God's will. This is Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20. It says this, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. So the account of Esther draws us in to look at our lives, how we have trekked this kind and loving God, how we have trekked others, how whether we have loved good or whether we have loved evil. But thirdly, we're meant, as we read this passage, to be amazed. We're meant to be amazed. It's such a, an overused word, isn't it? Amazing. But as we read this, we're meant to be amazed. We're meant to be amazed at God. What do I mean? Well, Haman is intent on doing evil. He's intent on wiping out a whole people across the empire. He's even built this pole, these gallows, in order to kill Mordecai. But everything in a moment is flipped. It's flipped. And suddenly it's Esther who's got the king's ear. Suddenly it's Haman who is terrified for his life and pleading for his life. And what Haman meant for evil, God meant for good. See, we mustn't see evil and, um, and good as these equal opposites. Evil will never get the upper hand on God. Evil cannot tell God what to do. And neither does God create evil in order to bring good out of it. The Bible shows us a God who turns evil acts on their head. Even by using the very weapons that are formed for harm. I always think when I think of that, of some of these old cartoons, you know, uh, Roadrunner or Bugs Bunny, where um, the hunter or, or the coyote is chasing them and sets a trap, an anvil or a hole. Um, and what happens is they end up falling in their own hole or they end up being smashed by their own anvil, the trap that they set. It's as if they've never read Psalm 7, which says, Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they've made. The trouble they cause recoils them. The violence comes down on their own heads. See, even evil in our world, God can bring about his own purposes through it. See, look at the world today. There are evil things going on. You know, we've seen that even in 2020, haven't we? In various different events that have happened around the world. There is evil going on. But listen, God is working good. God, we must believe that God will bring around about his good. And do you know what? This message shouldn't make us passive. It shouldn't make us just sit back and think, well, we'll just sit back and let God do his work. You know what? We, 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 we go the way of Jesus. We go the way of Jesus that says, actually, you know, repay evil with blessing. You've got something to do. You don't just ignore it. You don't just sit back and wait. No, repay evil with blessing. 
So this whole message of God judging evil isn't to make us just sit back and do nothing. No, no, it's make us, sends us out. It's the exact opposite, in fact. Jubilee, we have a great work to do. We have the privilege of doing God's work of good and being partners with him. Listen, in 2021, you and I can work with God for good. We can. This is the church's call. It's the church, been the church's call for 2,000 years. And do you know what? It remains the church's call in 2021. Standing up for the marginalized, caring for the poor and needy, holding out the hope of Jesus to people who we meet and to who we know. You may be thinking, well, how can I do this? What are the, what are the ways that I can do these in these days? You may think the, 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 the moments aren't there. Listen, how about this? How about starting each day just saying, Holy Spirit, will you use me today? Holy Spirit, please use me and the people I meet today, the people I chat to, maybe even on phone or on Zoom or on, uh, however. Lord, use me today. I want to be used by you as you work good in people's lives. Maybe as, as, uh, as we go through the year, opportunities open up for different things and, and things we're able to do again start happening. How will God use you? How will God use you to touch this, this nation, to touch Teesside, to bring the joy news of Jesus to this place? Listen, so, someone reminded me, a friend reminded me just this week that um, in, in this book of Esther, um, you have lots of different people playing their parts. You've got Esther, you've got Mordecai, you've got the people who pray and fast. We've all got a part to play. And listen, this year, you've got a part to play. I've got a part to play in working with God to see his goodness come to people's lives. What's he calling you to this year? So as we finish, as we finish, listen, I want us to finish by focusing on the greatest picture of God turning evil for good. See, we can know that one day God will judge evil for what it is. We can know this because there was a day where he defeated evil. There was a day. See, the gallows that were set up for Mordecai, the pole that was there for his death, there was a reversal. And it ended up with Haman being killed on it. Does that remind you of anything? Listen, as God's enemy, as Satan, thought that the cross was the end of Jesus, God used it for good. God triumphed over his enemies. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, even in the violent act of the death of his son, God the Father was working good. The greatest good, the good of restoring you and I to him. The good of bringing us back into relationship with him. Listen, if you've chosen to trust in this Jesus, you'll know this truth. You'll know that, you know, he has redeemed you he has bought you you'll know this you'll know that you've received the forgiveness that he offers through the cross you know that you'll have nothing to fear on that day of judgment 
when evil is dealt with. Nothing, because Jesus has dealt with it for you, in your place. And if you don't know that forgiveness, if you've never received that forgiveness for yourself, listen, you can do that. You can do that today. You can do that this morning as we end in prayer. You can do that. You can come on Alpha and find out more about that in February. Listen, we have hope to offer to the world. And like Gavin said to us this morning through that contribution, hope has a name. Hope has a name. It's not just some bland, um, motivational hope message that we have to bring for 2021 Jubilee. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. It's this Jesus that we offer, we, we, we hold out to Teesside and say, look, come and, come and find forgiveness. Come and find rest. Come and find purpose in this Jesus. Because you can. You can. So as we end, I'm just going to pray and then Sarush is going to lead us on in prayer as well after this as well as we just reset things up in here for the final song. But listen, we have hope because of God's victory at the cross. We have hope because of Jesus. What is he calling you to this year? What is he calling you to? To display his goodness and his love to Teesside and to the world. Might be in your work, in your home, might be in your school or your college, your university. Could be with your friends. Listen, he's calling us to hold out hope. He's calling us to hold out Jesus to the world. Father God, thank you for this great um, account of Esther um, held for us um, in Scripture so that we might learn, be encouraged, be motivated, but ultimately be pointed to your son, to Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. Thank you that he gave his life at the cross for us so that we could be clean, restored, forgiven, know what it means to be sons and daughters of God. Thank you. And I pray, strengthen us in, for this year as you call us into all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, come and be with us, be upon us and empower us. Amen.